listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Leland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community health care. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Well, hello, everybody. This is Bruce Neeland, and I get to be the host of Pharmacy Crossroads. As always, I'm excited by the people who I get to speak with and introduce you to on my program, and today is no exception. Today, I have John Beckner. John Beckner is a pharmacist, and John, I'm thinking you're old enough that you're not a PharmD. You're an RPH. Is that correct? I'm an RP. I'm one of the veterans. <laughs> well, you're in, and you're one and you're one of the best at that as well. Uh, John is the senior director of strategic initiatives for the National Community Pharmacist Association. Uh, John and I have been friends. I've been trying to figure that out, but we must have met at a trade show or meeting early in the 2000s. So we, we've been associated with each other for 20 years at any rate. And um, you've uh, managed to move up from a, a, a chain drug position and take a spot with the National Community Pharmacist Association. And that's allowed us to talk even more frequently. Hey, so uh, John, as we talked before, when we decided we wanted to do this podcast, um, the the topic that was foremost on your mind was pharmacist immunizations, um, the opportunity that exists for them, um, the absolute public health need for it. Um, so first of all, before we get into that, tell me just a little bit about your background and what you do for NCPA. And then we'll start talking all things immunization, and I think we'll even get into point-of-care testing and other uh, opportunities that pharmacists have today. But uh, who are you? And uh, and then uh, tell us what immunizations can do for pharmacists and the public. Well, Bruce, first of all, I, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to be on your your podcast. You're you're absolutely right. We've known each other for a number of years, and. And I consider you a, a close industry friend, so uh, I'm looking forward to our our conversation this morning. Uh, you know, prior to joining N NCPA, m most of my background was in in chain operations management. I ran the pharmacies for a couple of small chains, one of which was very progressive in the area of, of immunizations, and that was Ucrops Supermarkets. And I was with them for, I guess, a little over 17 years, and we were actually one of the first pharmacies in the country to offer immunizations back in the in the late 1990s so uh so my work in that space goes goes back a a number of years and uh when I came on on board at, at NCPA I think that that really immunizations became a big area of focus and and right now you know, our goal is is to make immunizations a core competency of independent community pharmacy. Uh, I work in the strategic initiatives area, which uh, is the area that helps our members uh, uh, 
offer diversified services, one of which is immunizations, although immunizations, you know, pretty much everybody is doing immunizations these days. So if you're not doing it, you're really uh, you're really behind the eight ball. Uh, also work with our education team and our advocacy team. So uh, uh, I'm having a good time at NCPA. It's a great organization and great people. And, uh, you know, I, I really find it very rewarding trying to help our members. Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. At Rx Safe, we believe in improving patient health by challenging conventional wisdom, upending the status quo, and transforming the retail pharmacy industry. Our innovative technology solutions are designed to accelerate your pharmacy's success and change the way you do business. We develop long-term partnerships with pharmacies and other industry innovators to help attract new customers, create additional revenue streams, and transform the traditional pharmacy model. Become the adherence packaging leader in your community and practice at the top of your pharmacy license. Get started today. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com to learn more. So immunizations, uh, I, I, I get to claim a little bit of, of industry leadership on that as well. Um, uh, we don't need to go into that, but I, I was helping pharmacists doing it with um, Amerisource when I was there in uh, 1999. We got started and had some training at our annual meeting. Um, and it just always struck me as the easiest, best, most logical way for a pharmacy to learn how to create demand rather than just stand behind the counter and accept what comes into them. And that notion of creating demand um, is, is a fascinating pivot point for the practice of pharmacy that's even more important today than it ever was, than it ever has been. But the uh, tell me just, a, I mean, everybody knows about flu and everybody knows about COVID, but I, I, I'm not sure most pharmacists have digested some of the other very popular and common ones. And and um, so, you know, tell us a little bit about what can be done, what you're seeing done at the, at the cutting edge for immunizations and how pharmacists are uh, getting physicians and patients to um, learn to come to them for these for these services. Well, Bruce, you know, I think one of the uh, maybe the silver linings of COVID was that, you know, pharmacist work in the immunization space was really showcased. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people were already used to coming to the pharmacy to to, to get immunized, and and obviously flu and 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 pneumonia are, are, are two of the more common uh, diseases that folks came in to be immunized for. But uh, I think COVID really really served to showcase you know what pharmacists are able to do with regard to immunizations. Uh, also, pharmacists, you know, th their work working very closely with their local health department to provide uh, provide this service really again was showcased during during covid and and hopefully this is going to continue well beyond the pandemic i think uh from a public health standpoint pharmacists provide very valuable services whether it's providing you know covid vaccines flu vaccines pneumococcal and the other uh uh routine vaccinations that have in in some cases really lapsed during uh 
during the pandemic. So this is a huge opportunity for uh, for pharmacists to continue to advocate for their patients to get uh, uh, vac uh, vaccinated against preventable diseases. You know, I, I, I am surprised at the number of pharmacies. When I'm out and about, I'll stop in at a pharmacy com completely unannounced and just kind of walk in and see if I can chat with the pharmacist. And, you know, about half the time uh, I'll, I'll find an opportunity to visit. But I, I'm still amazed at the number of pharmacists who do not aggressively do flu shots, um, you know, and that's the typical place to start. Uh, what do you think the hurdles are? You know, there, there are a number of hurdles. Uh, I, I, I guess the good thing is it's it's the percentage has, has grown steadily over the last, I guess, five years. So now, you know, our surveys, and we, we survey our members on a pretty regular basis, and we have uh, something called the NCPA Digest, which, you know, that provides statistics about a number of things. And one of those is, you know, what types of clinical services do your, does your pharmacy provide? And, you know, the latest survey indicates that roughly 80% of our members or the people responding to the survey uh, provide at least uh, vaccinations against influenza. Right. Now, there's a couple of ways to do that. They, they could be providing immunization or vaccinations, but are they really being proactive in terms of you know, if somebody comes into the pharmacy as the technician in the pharmacy, or they're really uh, probing to find out uh, if if that person is in need of, you know, not only a flu vaccine, but there are other vaccines. And I think, you know, surveys have shown that that the average person coming into the pharmacy, they're, they're probably two to three vaccines that they are in need of. And it, it certainly provides a, an opportunity for the pharmacy to to take care of that patient, but also it's it's certainly a revenue stream for the pharmacy. Well, and and you know I didn't clarify with you whether you, you were prepared to talk a little bit about revenue streams. I mean, do you have a handle on what the current fees are for flu or any other? I mean, I don't. I know they've changed some stuff with COVID here recently. Are, are you up to speed on that? Well, I think I think with regard to flu, I think it, it really depends because most of the insurance plans are paying for flu, but their reimbursement levels vary by plan. Now, Medicare, I think it's uh, the current Medicare fee for for influenza is is um, in the thirty dollar range uh, in terms of uh, you know what they are reimbursing. So it's going to vary by commercial plan and. Uh, you know, one of the back backing up for just a minute in terms of what you asked me, why aren't more people um, providing immunizations? They may have some concerns about how to bill for these for yeah. these uh, vaccines. Um, you know, billing uh, and reimbursement tend to present some barriers for folks. And uh, you know, one of the things I'll mention this: one of the things that we uh, uh, produced um, last year was a, a vaccine billing guide that really uh, takes you from A to Z uh, with regard to billing. A lot of vaccines are covered under the medical benefit now. So there's some information in there about that. Uh, there's information in there about how to, you know, if you're filling a 
a, uh, a vaccine for a particular uh, plan. It, it walks you through how to add the administration fee. And so you'll be reimbursed for not only the product, but also for the uh, for the administration fee. So and again, if, if you haven't done it before, you know, you may be intimidated by trying to figure out, you know, what 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 should the bill what does the billing piece look like? And this guide really is helpful with regard to that. So it's the vaccine billing guide. And I'm assuming that if they go to ncpa.org and look for the library or whatever it is, they can figure out how to get a copy. Yeah, it's on our it's on our website uh, under um, under resources. Under resources, uh, that's mm-hmm. probably the most valuable thing that we can share with people this morning who aren't yet doing it. Um, so, uh, vaccines lead us to the topic of uh, health prevention, um, and and I know you had indicated a, a desire to talk a little bit about point of care testing. And, you know, the way we can, the way a pharmacist can enhance his position in the community and his uh, economic benefit through point of care testing. Um, What are two or three of the most commons of those? And how do you get a CLIA waiver? Well, that's, that's, that's another uh, uh, bit of information that's, that's also available on our website under, under COVID resources. One of the, uh, one of the things that we found out during during COVID was that uh, point of care testing was really uh, another opportunity for pharmacists. You know, once they were uh, granted an authorization, uh, emergency use authorization during during the pandemic, pharmacists could provide testing. But the first thing they needed to do to 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 be able to offer that service was to get a CLIA waiver. Yeah, and uh, stands for Clinical Laboratory Improvement Act, and you had to do that first before you were able to offer one of these tests, which were clear waived, whether it's you know a COVID test or some people already had a clear waiver and they were already doing flu and strep. So I I think when you look at those three, flu, strep, and COVID, those are um, the point of care tests that tend to uh, to rise to the top in terms of the most frequently offered in a community pharmacy. And again, is there a reimbursement mechanism for doing uh, a strep test or a flu test? My understanding well, that's a cash cash. It's service. mostly it's mostly a cash business. I mean, the pharmacy can set their price based upon what it costs them to to purchase the test. So. Uh, and that's going to vary across the board, uh, depending upon you know how uh, efficiently they're able to to buy these tests. But right now, it's a cash-based business. I think there there is some uh, 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 some reimbursement from the plans, but it's it's not routine across the board. So if you're going to offer that test, it's it's going to be a uh, a cash-based test that you uh, that you have there in the pharmacy. And and I'm going to do an editorial comment on cash-based tests. Um, uh, do them. Uh, get used to them. Uh, and start learning how to charge people for the services that you provide. The economics on this typically work exceptionally well for the patient. And, you know, strep test is, is I've, I've got 
10 grandkids. And so I've got, you know, the four daughters who are taking care of kids and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're all working mothers and, and they get a phone call from the school or the daycare center and say, Hey, your kids got the sniffles, you know, come pick them up and take them home. They really don't have the time, effort, or energy to try to call and get in to see the doctor who's not going to see him for three days anyway. So, and they're going to have a $25, $40 copay going to see the doctor. So, a $25 or $40 charge for doing a strep test in the pharmacy is is just an economic wash. It's it's uh, but the the bigger issue is that it will get you past that psychological hurdle that people won't pay for stuff and and everybody won't. Um, and everybody's not going to fill their prescriptions in your pharmacy and everybody's not going to vote for the same candidate that you vote for. Um, you know, there's just many people will and uh, and they'll be thrilled that you have the service available. Well, you know, with regard to point of care tests, it really has become a convenience thing in community pharmacy, like like immunizations. I mean, it's 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 easy. Most pharmacies offer that service, you know, during the whole operating hours of the pharmacy. Uh, if you're if you're in a state that that allows for tests and treat, you may. Uh, I mean, I think that's the kind of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You can come in for your for your flu test, if you're if you're positive, the the pharmacist under uh, under a collaborative practice agreement or or, or statewide protocol can prescribe uh, Tamiflu, which to be effective has to be taken within forty eight yeah. hours. So again, right. it's a timing thing, and and it may not be possible for that patient to get in to see their doctor uh, or other provider in a timely fashion for something like Tamiflu to make a difference. So I think looking ahead, there's tremendous opportunities. I've read where, you know, the the uh, 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 the revenue from, uh, uh, from point of care testing at some point will exceed that of immunization. So uh, uh, we know how important immunizations have been to pharmacy. I shudder to think where we would be today without immunizations and yeah. that that you know that service which really brands or helps to brand the pharmacy as a destination for for health and wellness it's been a been a tremendous uh thing for pharmacies to be involved in and i think it's 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 really cast them in a very favorable light with other providers well and it serves as a segue to the third point that we wanted to share with our listeners today of that is to how we can get more pharmacists to be educated informed and and sharing with their patients information on how to build their immune system and and how to you know to to kind of take advantage of some of the nutraceutical and immune boosting products that they can that they can recommend and sell yeah, and I think I think pharmacies or pharmacists have been uh, involved in that arena for a while. Some some more so than others. Patients trust their pharmacists. They're going to be coming in asking a lot of questions, and and from an access standpoint, in terms of you know how often folks are in community pharmacies as opposed to other other uh, places like physicians' offices, they're in a great position to be able to. Uh, offer some uh, uh, suggestions with regard to uh, uh, 
uh, the nutraceuticals to and immune boosters. Well, and it, it is a huge opportunity. It's it's one that requires uh, merchandising, uh, education, uh, those kinds of things. And and again, the while that has not been customary uh, for pharmacies. 15, 20 years ago, it's it's going to become the basis for how we move forward. And, you know, the, the line that I take is that a, as a pharmacist, your job is not simply to dispense medications accurately. Your job is to help improve the health of your patients. And, and that makes you a healthcare provider. You're a healthcare professional and your skills and expertise and quite frankly, your convenience of location and those types of things are are assets that you you, know, you can and should take advantage of. And and here's the piece that's that's also interesting is, you know, too often we we talk about profitability of that, but frankly, it's bigger than profitability. It's the 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 health and welfare of your patients. And, um, you know, the other areas that I see pharmacists getting into are in this whole nutritional field, uh, you know, that's a, a little bit above and beyond just the nutraceuticals, but, you know, healthy lifestyles and good diets. And, and you know, that fits in with your diabetes education programs. And the, the, the point is, there's a whole big circle of healthcare stuff that uh, a good independent community pharmacy sits in the middle of. And um, there's a world of opportunity. I know that pharmacists can be happy and can be profitable because I see dozens of them every year. So the 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 formula is out there, and you know you and the folks at NCPA are doing a wonderful job of helping people to see all these opportunities. Bruce, I appreciate you saying that, and and we really do try to cater our educational programs to uh, uh, to help our members um, be able to provide these services. I know the uh, the CPSN uh, networks, the CPSN pharmacies, of which there are a little over thirty five hundred, offer these enhanced services, and uh, and. You know, what we've tried to do, uh, particularly through the Innovation Center, is which really is kind of the umbrella organization that houses all of our educational efforts, uh, whether it be a webinar or education at our annual meeting and multiple locations conference. A lot of our educational programs are designed to help our members execute on these clinical programs uh, to be able to offer you know, clinical services to uh, to their patients. So uh, it's really important that 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 you know, in in the days of in in today's world of of declining reimbursements, uh, you really can't depend upon the product anymore. You you need to be able to offer these services to patients, which, as you said, will really help them live a healthy lifestyle. It's all about wellness and prevention, in addition to disease management, it's, it really runs the, the spectrum and, and community pharmacists are in a great position to be able to do that. They are. And, and that sounds like a great closing comment, John. So we're, we've <laughs> run out of our, our, our allotted time and I'm going to leave it at that and say, thank you. 
And um, to my listeners, I encourage you to go to the ncpa.org website, go to the resources uh, section and look for a couple of these uh, uh, booklets or pamphlets or guidebooks, whatever the right word is, that will help you get into uh, point of care testing and and other COVID resources. So um, for that, I'm going to say, hey, this is Bruce Neeland with a, another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads and uh, hoping that something John and I shared with you today will help you do more or be better. Good day. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.